Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Oh my gosh, good afternoon. Come on, you guys have to get us pumped up. Good afternoon. Woohoo! We have a phenomenal session. You're in the home stretch and the party tonight. Everybody going to the party tonight? It's awesome. Um, so we're here, we're not here to talk about the party. We're here to talk about um, our top strategic initiatives with VMware Cloud and AWS. And we've got an ad from the last one because you saw Andy introduce Outpost. So we're also gonna be talking about Outpost today too. So we're just gonna have a phenomenal session. My name is Sandy Carter. I am uh, Amazon Web Services VP in charge of enterprise workloads. Probably wondering what that is. So what I do is I focus on all of the major enterprise areas like SAP, IBM, Microsoft workloads, VMware workloads. That's why we're here today. Uh, before I took this role with Amazon two years ago, I ran my own startup out of uh, Palo Alto, California, focused on culture and innovation. I did some work with uh, Carnegie Mellon Silicon Valley as an adjunct professor. And before that, I worked with IBM focused on building up the cloud and Watson ecosystem. Watson is machine learning. Uh, so you can see my path and my past history has been really around innovation. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. Some really innovative and cool things you can do with VMware. Now, a little bit later on stage, I'm gonna be joined by uh, Mark Lohmeyer. Mark, you wanna stand up? Mark is the uh, SVP and general manager of, our cloud, of the cloud platform business unit at VMware. That means he also has responsibility for VMware Cloud on AWS and now Outpost as well, right? Outstanding. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, oops, let me go back one slide, sorry. I had to tell you guys a story before I start, actually. So uh, last night I was walking down the strip, and uh, as I was walking down the strip, I saw a bottle on the side of the road. Very environmentally friendly, so I reached down to pick it up, and I rubbed it, and out popped a genie. It's a true story. And this genie said to me, Sandy, not only do you get to go and talk about VMware Cloud and Outpost today, but you get three wishes. However, whatever you wish for, your evil arch enemy gets double. So I said, okay. So I first wished for a front row seat at Andy's keynote, and I got that. But my evil arch enemy got two seats. So then I wished for a red Tesla, because who doesn't want a red Tesla? I got one, but my evil arch enemy got two. So for my third wish, I thought for a moment, and I said, genie, scare me half to death. You guys are a little slow today. Scare me half to death, you got it? Double, okay. Um, and so what does that have to do with what we're gonna talk about today? We are gonna talk about three things or three wishes. First, we're gonna talk a little bit about market traction and use cases, which are really important as you're looking at how you're gonna leverage this solution. Secondly, I've heard this from multiple customers about region expansion. Where are you gonna be? I'll let you know right away. The punchline by 2019 will be in every region where AWS does business, except for China. And then third, we're gonna talk about continuous innovation. That's where Mark will join me on stage. I'm gonna talk about networking. He's gonna talk about storage and compute and management. Um, both of us in that segment will also talk about security. And I promise you, I will not scare you half to death. So let's take a look at, first of all, why we did the solution. Really important, we always work backwards from the customer. You know, that's the motto at, um, at Amazon. It's more than a motto, it is how we do business. It's our, in our DNA. And so we found that almost 80% of you said you're gonna be using some sort of hybrid cloud solution. 
And that was really important to you because you wanted to combine the best of both on-premises and in the cloud, and you wanted to be able to have that consistent infrastructure. And that's really what led us to the partnership with VMware, where we wanted to really partner with the best on-premises company, bringing our great public cloud. But as we thought about that particular relationship, we did not want that just to be a marketing and sales relationship. We really wanted that relationship to be a deep engineered relationship, where we're adding true value to you. You're not having to do the work. We're going to do that work for you. And so here's what our solution looks like. You can see on the left-hand side, we've got all the things that you know and love about VMware. By the way, how many of you guys have VMware today in your data center or in your company? Okay, and how many of you are AWS users? Okay, awesome. So this is a great solution for all of you. So on the left-hand side, you have all the normal, well-loved features and functions of VMware. And on the right, you have AWS. And so what we did is we looked first at taking vCenter and vSphere and running that on top of the AWS platform. But more importantly for us was some of the joint engineering work that we wanted to do around that integration, that deep integration. And so storage, really important. We were able to integrate vSAN with EBS. We'll talk a little bit about that here in a future in a second. But then also, you see NSX with DX, or Direct Connect from Amazon. Really crucial because networking is so important uh, in a hybrid solution. In fact, last night I was having a dinner with a large bank and they told me that one of the very first things they're going to be looking at is how is that networking done in that hybrid scenario. We also know that you wanted a consistent management platform. So we do have vCenter as that consistent management platform. And you wanted to be able to get to those AWS services. So I think all of you raised your hand that you're AWS customers today. Um, and you wanted to be able to get to those services, those native AWS services that really added a lot of power. So S3, for instance, for disaster recovery. And so this is how we engineered the solution. And we did this from your feedback. And we wanted to make that customer experience as seamless as possible for you. And so because of this, when we started, we are seeing that the, you guys are responding to that. In fact, we've been doubling the number of customers every quarter since launch. Um, and the customers that we have are pretty amazing. These are just the ones who are referenceable. So you see on here from every industry, whether you're talking Brinks or Black Mountain, um, but also three new ones who agreed to be references at this particular reInvent show, folks like Shutterfly, Merck, and Whirlpool. So customers across the board are seeing tremendous value. And in fact, some of them are seeing so much value, they're not even willing to be a reference yet because they want to get a little bit ahead of their competitors who are out there today. But it's not just about customers. It's also about our partner community. And uh, I'm really thrilled with this response as well because you guys as customers need help from partners. And so we need to have that strong partner network for you. And so you see we kicked off the partner program in January of this year, and we have 220 partners already. That's a, that's a really quick ramp up. And those partners are solution providers, they're cloud providers, um, they're MSPs, strategic outsourcers. So 
basically any kind of need that you have, we have a partner who is ready, um, ready to help you. Now we talked a little bit about regions right up front, um, and we are going to be in every region where AWS is, and that's 57 availability zones, 19 global regions. We'll be in all those regions with VMware Cloud on AWS by the end of 2019. And Mark and I are working really hard to get it in China too, but we're not yet committed on that one, so I don't want to talk about that one yet in terms of timing. Um, and I think this is really important because if you're an international company, you need to be available everywhere that, that AWS is. And so this is our commitment. We just launched and announced here at reInvent. We're opening up in Tokyo, in Ireland, Northern California, um, Ohio, and one more, GovCloud. GovCloud is really important for uh, most of our government customers, state and local in particular. So if I could just have a show of hands, how many of you in the room are interested in GovCloud? Oh wow, a lot. So I think that this is um, one of the regions we've worked the hardest on together is GovCloud. Um, we really vetted what was required and what was needed. We wanted to architect, again, and engineer that really secure solution. Um, you can see that we've now completed the FedRAMP high baseline readiness assessment, and we're committed to this space. So we know that a lot of state and federal governments are really pushing hard here. In fact, I had a a customer two days ago that was from outside the US who said they wanted to be on GovCloud because they knew it was the most secure place to run what they were doing. Uh, and as we know, you know, in this particular solution, uh, root account access is only given and only granted to US citizens, US persons, so that security level is at the highest point that it possibly can be. Now as we look at all of these offerings and everything that we're doing, um, we really hone in on how you guys are using the solution. So when we started, uh, Mark and I looked at what we thought were going to be the two top solutions that you guys told us about. The first one was on data center extension. So maybe running your, your dev test in the cloud, maybe looking at some sort of on-demand capacity, doing that with the cloud. The other one that we thought was going to be one of our top solutions was disaster recovery because many of you said you needed to modernize what you're doing with disaster recovery or needed to completely replace what you were doing and that this was a great way to do that where you could do disaster recovery with the cloud. Since that time, as customers have been using this and you guys have been leveraging it, we found that there were two other use cases that were also very, very important. Uh, one was on, one is just on cloud migration overall. In fact, I think our hottest growth case, our use case right now is on data center evacuation. Uh, we met two nights ago with a company that was losing their contract. They've got to migrate everything out of their data center by January of 2019. Um, we've seen, you know, hurricanes, fires, where people have to get out of the data center very rapidly or wanting to do some sort of application specific migration. And then the fourth one is one I'm really excited about because I focus on enterprise workloads, and that's around these next-gen applications. So we were talking about, you know, how do we get Oracle as a service? How does that run in the hybrid cloud? <clears throat> how do we look at some of these new applications that will be hybrid? So SQL apps, SAP apps, how do we really focus on leveraging those as well? So now we're seeing these four, and I'm sure 
by next reInvent, you guys will even have more uses that we haven't even thought of that we can deliver um, for you. So part of what we look at is we know that as you're evaluating our um, VMware Cloud on AWS solution, you're really looking for the best hybrid solution. And so we spent some time going through and saying, what does that look like? So for you as a customer, if you need to look at different elements, what does that look like? What does that best hybrid cloud look like? Um, first, we said you've got to have great networking, just like my customer the other night who said, I need to have fast networking, consistent networking, secure networking. But you also have to have the right storage and compute. You're looking for something that's on demand. And you want consistent management, consistent DevOps. You want to write an application once and run it wherever you want to run it. And then, of course, I think on the bottom, one of the most important areas is security. You want that to be done at the right security level, whether you're using GovCloud or whether you're a bank or a hospital. That security area um, is really important as well. So we really wanted to frame our discussion today based on what was important for that great hybrid cloud solution. And so uh, what Mark and I will do is we'll go through these. I'm going to take networking, and then he's going to come up and look at storage and compute. So as we're looking at networking, um, one of the things that we wanted to do is to say, what are the things that you should be evaluating? Um, the first one is high performance, but it's got, also got to be cost effective as well. So you're looking for consistency, especially when you're going to be migrating, uh, maybe live migrating applications. You want that consistency of performance so that does not get interrupted. Um, secondly, you want seamless application mobility. You want to be able to move applications from the cloud on premises and back again. And that's really important for, for lots of reasons, but one really interesting one, um, one company I was working with, their board said they needed to be multi-cloud. And when the CIO was talking with the board, the board said, you know, what I really want is just to make sure that you're not totally dependent on AWS. And so he took forward to the board the VMware Cloud on AWS solution because he could vMotion applications to the cloud and back again. And that actually satisfied their requirement, which I thought was interesting. And then the third, of course, is you want consistent network security as well. Um, so these are the three things that we believe, as you're looking for a hybrid cloud, that you should be looking for evaluating hybrid clouds on. So let me show you a little bit about what we've done with the VMware Cloud on AWS solution. So if you look at the, um, the first two areas about how you're going to um, transfer data, get data across, uh, these are both around v VPNs. So if you look at the one in the blue, this is around how you're using probably the most common form of connection or networking today, which are VPMs over the internet. So this is common, it's simple, it's easy, but it also has some downside to it. It can become very traffic, very trafficy as well, very congested. And this is why we also give you a choice of using Amazon Direct Connect. We call it DX. And Direct Connect is really important because it gives you that consistency, uh, it gives you that performance layer, it ensures that you've got a dedicated network. And so if you're, for instance, doing a live migration, 
you don't want to be interrupted or have instability of performance because that could shut down that migration and you might have to restart it. Worst case, you might have some uh, issue in the application itself as you're doing that. So you really want that consistency of that network connection. And then um, in the yellow, you'll see we've got NSX coupled with our Elastic Network Interface. And we did this specifically for those of you who want to take advantage of those AWS services. Um, in particular, this ensures that you've got no latency and that you've got that connection that you need with those uh, AWS services. So that high performance and cost-effective connectivity is really important, and that's also why we position your SDDC next to your Amazon VPC. So what this allows is that you're no longer charged for that data transfer as before, and you have high performance, a cost-effective connection, uh, which is really one of the cores to hybrid uh, clouds. We also make HCX free, and we're gonna talk about that here in a second. And HCX does come with that WAN optimization as well, which will further reduce your cost. So let's talk about uh, HCX, which uh, is one of my favorite offerings of all. Um, so if you look at some of the challenges without something like, like HCS, if you're looking to do a live migration at scale, for instance, you're probably gonna have different formats of a hypervisor that requires applications to be refactored or replatformed. You're also going to have um, incongruent networks that may cause some issues between on-premises and the cloud. Um, in addition, if you look at data transfer, uh, you know, you would individually have to transfer those VPNs, those VPs over. And um, those virtual machines, it's really interesting. We were talking to Platica, who did thousands of these migrations. Um, so they would have to either click or write a script or click each one individually. It would just take too much time. And then, of course, you want to make sure that you've got the right level of security, not having isolated domains. So as you're looking at what you, what you need, what's required. This is one of the reasons why I really like uh, VMware HCX, which is the hybrid cloud extension. So if I compare this now, and this is really cool, um, so it's fully compatible with vSphere, but you don't even need to upgrade vSphere if you're not on the right version, because HCX will do that for you. It also allows you to have that consistent networking policy across the board, and HCX now supports DX, of course, so we talked about earlier, and you're now able to live migrate at scale, uh, which is probably one of the biggest benefits that customers like Playtica talk to us about. And then, of course, finally, you've got security. You've got VPN with auto setup. So um, as you're looking at what HCX brings to the table, this is the way I would frame it in terms of the value proposition. First, it's the only migration solution that can do this level of scale. You have no application rework. Uh, you maintain that business continuity. It's also free. Did I say free? HCX is free. Uh, and it also has that WAN optimization we talked about earlier, which even lowers your costs further. And then, of course, um, you've also got total control, so you can say, I wanna start my migration here, and I want it to finish here. 
So let's say you uh, don't want to do migration during working days or working hours. You can, you can now specify that. That's a new feature that we've just added. But instead of just talking about it, I want you guys to see it. And we're going to bring up to, on the stage right now uh, Imad, who is our amazing um, tech architect from VMware. And he's going to actually show you uh, HCX. So please welcome Imad. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Sandy. So I just want to bring some context before we get into the demo. Um, HCX is a Swiss army knife of workload mobility because it includes everything that you need. Typically, you would need multiple solutions to actually do these workload migrations, right? Everything is built in. So dedupe, compression, WAN optimization, uh, layer two extension, all within the product. We even create a secure connection from on-premises to the compute gateway within VMware Cloud on AWS using SuiteB uh, encryption. So let's jump into the demo and see how we can migrate these workloads. So the first thing you're gonna notice here is that we're logging into a familiar UI. This is the vSphere HTML5 client. Now, once HCX is deployed, it's a plugin within the vCenter server appliance. To migrate, to start migrating, the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna actually site pair our on-premises data center to a VMware Cloud on AWS data center, and we're also going to extend a network or multiple networks. Then we're gonna go into migration and start the migration process itself. Now from here, you're gonna notice that I'm selecting a resource pool that contains the virtual machines that I wanna migrate. Then I'm gonna go into the global or default overview where I'm gonna select the folders, the compute, and the storage from the AWS uh, VMC side. From here, well, I'm selecting the, the workload data store here, and these are only things that I have access to because, again, within VMware Cloud on AWS, I have restricted permissions. So we only allow you to access things related to the workloads themselves. Now, here I selected Cloud Motion with vSphere Application, and I'm gonna do this with zero downtime. Now, as Sandy talked about earlier, here I have the option after the replication takes place to select the vMotion that's going to go ahead and reconcile the remaining data sync. So here I'm just selecting random days, times for my schedule, and I'm gonna go ahead and select the virtual machines that I'm going to migrate. So I'm migrating about 100 virtual machines, but you can migrate a lot more, thousands if you choose. HCX is gonna go through and do some validations, and once the validation is complete, it's gonna go ahead and allow me to start migrating. Now I have the option here to either reschedule the switchover, the Delta Sync, I can remove the switchover, or I can abort the migration completely. Now you'll start to notice that it's gonna go through and start the replication process. So what it's doing on the back end is going out and replicating those VMDKs, the virtual machine disks, from on-premises to VMware Cloud on AWS. And around the 80% mark, it's gonna start the actual cutover, and it's going to be live. So there is zero downtime involved. And again, if you start like a random ping, continuous ping on your virtual machine, you'll see that it does not drop, right? Because it's continuous. So here you're starting to see all the virtual machines start to replicate, and soon we'll be ready for the cutover process. So now let's go over and let's take a look at the VMware Cloud on AWS side. So here within VMware Cloud and AWS, I'm at the console. I'm gonna go ahead and open up vCenter server. 
And again, another familiar UI that you're going to see is the vSphere HTML5 client, the same one that you're running on-premises. I'm going to log in with my cloud admin account. And again, familiar UI. I'm going to go ahead and look at the storage. So the workload data store here, you're going to see that these virtual machines, the virtual disks, have been replicated over to VMware Cloud on AWS. Once the seeding is complete, then we're going to start the actual vMotion. So that cutoff where we had the scheduler is going to take place, and we're using vMotion to do that. And by the way, with HCX, we can actually not only go from on-premises to VMware Cloud on AWS, but there is an option built in to do a reverse migration. So you can go back and forth as you choose. So here you're seeing that within the HTML5 client, that these virtual machines are now starting to vMotion across live. Now from the HCX dashboard, we can see that I'm about halfway through the migration process itself. But there's other information that it provides. It provides the active migrations, the overview, alerts. Looks like I got a couple of VMs that I need to look at. They're in critical status, as well as the activity logs that are available to me. So at any point in time, I can come here and get an overview of what's actually happening within my migration. So let's go back and let's see where we are with the migration, because I, I promised Sandy and Mark that we'll, we would actually get 100 VMs migrated. So here we're at about 59. So you see the vMotion is going to continue. We're at 68. And it's going to continue on 72. As we do the countdown, you'll see that, again, these VMs have moved live. And we can actually do this over a weekend. So we've worked with some customers that were able to move over thousands of virtual machines over a weekend. And this typically takes usually months to prepare for. But with HCX, we're able to do it over a weekend. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Pretty amazing. Thank you, Ahmad, for showing us that. Um, okay, so we talked about the two different areas, and we really appreciate that, uh, that demo, too, to see it in action versus just talking about it. The third area of networking that we said was really important was that consistent network security across the board. And so here, you know, Amazon, our CEO likes to say that security is actually priority zero because there's nothing more important to us than security. So this is really important. Um, so on the left-hand side, you see that you can extend your on-premises policies of security. So just like at uh, AWS, where we encourage you to look at security working groups and set those security policies consistently across on-prem and the cloud, here you can actually execute on those and have every engineer have this as part of his or her role. Um, in the middle, we are announcing um, distributed firewall with micro-segmentation. Micro For those of you at AWS, I've had a couple, it's abbreviated DFW. That does not mean Dallas-Fort Worth, by the way. That is distributed firewall. Uh, we had a couple of calls with people going, why are you going to Dallas? No, we're not. It's distributed firewall. Uh, but this allows you to do that granular access and granular control that you need. And then, of course, you can also leverage all of that power that you have from AWS as well. And so um, as you look at overall what we're looking at for consistent network security, this is top of the heap for sure. 
Now, my, um, my final thing I wanted to talk to you about was just a customer example. And we, uh, we love to talk about um, MIT as one example of using HCX, really taking advantage of all of these strong networking properties. Um, the reason I love this story is they actually had one FTE, one full-time engineer on this. And they had to get migrated within three months, and they had 2,800 workloads. They did a test, they did a proof of concept with 300. They were able to execute those 300 VMs going over in three weeks. And so then they decided, let's do the whole 2,800 workloads, 550 terabytes of data. They were able to get that all migrated over using VMware Cloud on AWS in three months or less. No downtime, so no downtime. Uh, so we've actually had them talk to a couple other schools. One, one interesting university has been taking about three years to try to refactor. They're now going to follow VMware Cloud on AWS to get everything migrated over very quickly. So that's the networking session, section, which we think is really important for hybrid cloud, showing as well the security. But let me now bring up Mark Lohmeyer from VMware to talk to you about why we also believe that the compute and storage areas are also as important. So thank you. All right, great. Uh, thanks, Sandy. So uh, as Sandy talked about the importance of a great network from a hybrid cloud perspective, I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, the criticality of uh, compute and storage in a hybrid cloud architecture. And if you think about it, this is really important because that is fundamentally the foundation upon which those applications run. And when you think about the role of compute and storage in a hybrid cloud architecture, there's really kind of three big areas that we'd like to spend some time on. The first is we think it's really important that we enable you to have the ability to independently scale compute and storage to meet the exact specific needs of an application or a pool of applications. We think that's important, obviously, because it's critical to provide the right performance for the apps, um, but also if you can allocate just the right amount, you can clearly take down the total cost of ownership of that infrastructure. Second area that's really important is how does that compute and storage uh, foundation provide the highest levels of resiliency and availability, both to the application as well as to, to the data that the application depends upon. And then the third area is obviously very important, as you'll see it kind of woven throughout this presentation, is the role of security in a hybrid cloud architecture. And I think uh, one philosophy that both AWS and VMware share is we think there's an incredible opportunity to simplify the security model by baking some of those core constructs down into the infrastructure itself. And so we'll share with you a little bit around both what AWS is doing in their uh, custom-designed hardware platforms, as well as VMware with the software layered on top of that to really embed security you know, in that foundational infrastructure. So let me talk about the first one for a sec, right? So if you think about the importance of independently scaling compute and storage to meet the needs of applications, you know, clearly every app's got a different mix of compute and storage, right? Genomics might have equally, equally balanced. Gaming, you might need more compute. DR, you might need more storage. And if you think about a pool like uh, MIT of thousands of applications, that'll have its own mix of compute and storage that, uh, that that pool of application needs. Now, when we initially launched the VMware Cloud and AWS service um, a little bit over a year ago now, we made it first available on the AWS i3 bare metal instance type. Uh, this is an awesome instance type. It's got great compute um, memory capabilities. And then it leverages locally attached NVMe, NVMe attached SSDs. So this was a really nice architecture because it gave us great performance. Uh, and it actually provided the right amount of storage capacity for, I would say, roughly 80% of our customers. 
But what we found is that for customers that had very high storage capacity requirements, but maybe didn't need so much compute, this sort of hyper-converged uh, infrastructure approach led to actually a very uh, cost-ineffective structure. Because as you scaled more host to add more storage, you're basically paying for compute that you didn't actually need. And so we sort of took that to heart and we said, hey, how can we leverage some of the elastic characteristics of the AWS cloud to enable us to scale uh, storage independently from compute? And so what we recently announced is a new feature of VMC called Elastic vSAN. And effectively what this is, is we're taking the VMware vSAN enterprise class shared storage capability that's managed through vCenter, and then we're backing it with AWS EBS storage. Uh, so this is pretty awesome, right? Because it gives you the whole set of capabilities that you would get from an on-prem enterprise class disk array, but with the scalability, the flexibility, the elasticity, and the cost benefits of EBS, right? So this allows us to create very cost-effective storage uh, solutions. It allows us to scale compute and storage independently from each other to exactly meet the needs of the pool of applications that you're running on top of uh, VMware Cloud and AWS. And so we're really excited about this new, new capability, and in particular, customers that are moving entire data centers onto VMware Cloud on AWS are really looking forward to taking advantage of this feature because it allows you to create very large pools of storage cost-effectively. In fact, uh, with a 16-host cluster, you can get half a petabyte of storage, right, and only, only scales further from there. So really excited about uh, this new feature we just, uh, we just introduced. Now, one of the best use cases for uh, Elastic vSAN is actually disaster recovery. And we've got a great DR architecture that we've enabled in VMware Cloud on AWS. Uh, effectively, what we allow you to do is replace your secondary data center uh, with, instead of it being a data center, actually just have it point to VMware Cloud on AWS. Uh, so the way this works is we leverage vSphere replication to replicate the data between your primary on-prem production environment and now VMware Cloud on AWS is your DR target. And then on top of that, you can take advantage of VMware Site Recovery uh, to orchestrate and automate the failover of a whole set of complex applications with dependencies, in the case of a disaster, into that secondary data center. And of course, you can easily then fail them back once the, uh, once the disaster is over. Uh, Site Recovery Manager also gives you the ability to do uh, non-disruptive testing. So if you think about DR, right, it's only, it's only good if it works when you actually have a disaster. And the only way that you can be assured that it's gonna work uh, is if you test it. But you don't want to have that disrupt your production environment when you're doing a test, and so VMware Site Recovery allows that non-disruptive uh, DR testing. And of course, the really cool thing about this is because it leverages EBS under the covers, we can create very cost-effective disaster recovery environments on that secondary uh, data center. And so you can imagine an architecture, I like to sort of describe it as a pilot light, where you start with a very small uh, cluster of hosts, let's just say three host cluster in VMware Cloud and AWS with a bunch of EBS storage behind it. That's kind of storing all your D uh, VMDKs, all your data, uh, but you're only paying for those three hosts. And then in the case of a disaster, as we restart all those VMs on that secondary, uh, on that VMware Cloud and AWS uh, three host cluster, Elastic DRS, another feature of the service, will kick in and will automatically add additional hosts into that cluster based on the needs of that growing pool of applications that's getting restarted on that secondary uh, data center. And of course, because, uh, because it's the cloud, you only have to pay for those hosts as they're using them. And then when the disaster is over, fail those VMs back to your on-prem data center, that cluster automatically shrinks back down again. And uh, again, great way to create a very cost-effective environment. 
So uh, one customer that's taking, example, uh, taking advantage of this is PHH Mortgage. They're a US-based uh, mortgage servicer originator, and uh, they had a legacy old uh, data center they were using for DR, uh, very brittle, uh, quite expensive. And literally over the weekend, they were able to replace that data center with VMware Cloud and AWS, protecting hundreds of workloads. And they're looking forward to taking advantage of these, some of these things I talked about, that elastic DRS, um, flexible storage consumption, to really drive the cost of that disaster recovery environment down um, and saving them actually quite a bit of money relative to uh, what they were doing previously. So really great example of the, the DR use case is a great example of the benefits of having this sort of ability to scale storage and compute independently from each other. Of course, it's not just about disaster recovery, it's also about how do you provide the highest level of availability for applications that are running online in the cloud. And so another feature we recently introduced is called stretch clusters. And what this does is it allows you to stretch a VMware Cloud and AWS cluster across two AWS availability zones. So we stretch the storage with vSAN, we stretch the network with NSX, uh, and now we allow you to deploy your workloads on that stretch cluster. And in the case of anything going wrong, a blip on that, um, one of the AZs, we can automatically restart those applications in the secondary AZ. Uh, it's a zero RPO solution because we're synchronously replicating the data, and the recovery time is typically on a matter of uh, seconds as we just sort of restart those applications in the secondary AZ. Uh, and so this allows us to get to four nines of availability, and by the way, that's not at the AZ level, that's at the application level, right? So we're giving you four nines of availability at the level that actually matters, which is the application. The other really cool thing about this is because it's based on uh, that core VMware capability, we can provide that level of availability without requiring you to make any changes to the application architecture, right? So it's really pretty powerful when you think about it. No changes to the application required. Uh, we take advantage of the AWS AZ architecture, and then through the value of the VMware software on top of that, we're providing you those four nines of availability. The other uh, thing I like to highlight here is, uh, you know, uh, so we've made this available to on-prem customers for many years now. But one of the things that's great about the public cloud is we can really simplify the deployment and management model. And so literally with the click of a button in the VMC console, you can set up a stretch cluster in a few minutes. You compare that to what it would take um, traditionally on-prem, you're talking about uh, you know, months, if not, if not quarters. So making it really easy to consume these powerful capabilities. Uh, one great customer that's taking advantage of this is Stagecoach. Uh, so this is, I love this example. So they're a UK-based customer of ours. They actually run a network of trains and buses that transports uh, over three million people around the UK every day. And uh, they have a cloud-first initiative driven by their, uh, their CIO. And uh, they actually were looking to uh, take one of their most mission-critical applications. It's actually the one that schedules those buses and enable it uh, in the public cloud. And so, as, of course, as part of that, they wanted to make sure they had the highest levels of availability. Because if that app goes down, people aren't getting to work in the morning, they don't get home to their families at night, obviously not a good uh, situation. So they leveraged uh, the stretch clustering capability of VMware Cloud and AWS uh, to provide the highest level of availability to that workload you know, running in the AWS Cloud across two AWS AZs. All right, so uh, last piece around compute and storage is security. And uh, AWS has done some really uh, powerful things in their uh, hardware, their Nitro system hardware platform that really bake security into that infrastructure that, of course, VMware Cloud and AWS running on top of it can leverage. By the way, we can leverage this not only in VMware Cloud and AWS, 
but also in VMware Cloud on AWS Outposts, as you'll hear about in a sec, on-prem. So two things I'll highlight here. Uh, one is they've actually provided the ability to encrypt all of the data that runs on those locally attached SSDs uh, transparently through hardware, through dedicated hardware. So very high performance, and what it means is effectively, even if someone could get their hands on one of those SSDs, they couldn't do anything with it because all the data is always encrypted. So that's on the storage side. On the compute side, uh, they've actually built into the a Nitro, custom Nitro security chip that runs on that uh, hardware the ability to continuously monitor and protect the hardware resources. So they'll do things like, for example, validate the firmware when it comes up and make sure it's a trusted, uh, trusted firmware. So really, you can see how we're baking security into, uh, into the infrastructure, into the AWS Nitro platform in this case. All right, so that was a little bit about the importance and the role of uh, compute and storage in a hybrid cloud architecture. Uh, next piece I'd like to talk about is the role of uh, management for a hybrid cloud architecture. Three things to highlight here. Uh, the first is obvious this is critical to providing consistent operations across the private cloud and public cloud, kind of one way to manage and control that environment. Also, if you think about it, it's pretty important to this idea of uh, ensuring compliance and governance, because you want to have sort of one way to do things that you can ensure are compliant and governed consistently, as opposed to having a bunch of different ways, and then you have to have a different model for each. It gets pretty complex pretty quickly if you've got all these different models you have to worry about uh, for compliance and governance. And then, of course, it's not just about um, you know, the core capabilities of VMware Cloud on AWS. It's also about how we can help you as customers take advantage of the full portfolio of AWS services and capabilities, and the full portfolio of VMware capabilities, and the full portfolio of our combined partner ecosystem, which is the broadest uh, in the world, to seamlessly extend that hybrid cloud environment. So let's talk about each of these a bit. So consistent operations, right? So at the core, VMware Cloud on AWS is running the VMware software-defined data center stack that you trust in your own data center now in the cloud. So because of that, it is completely consistent. Uh, and of course, you are able to manage that through, uh, through vCenter, right? vCenter is used by 100% of the Fortune 500. It's used by hundreds of thousands of customers around the world. And we've enabled that exact same management model in VMware Cloud on AWS. By the way, it's not just about the UI, of course. It's about the APIs, the CLIs, the scripts you've built around that, all the third-party tools that are integrated into vCenter. All of that works seamlessly because it's the exact same software running uh, in the public cloud. We've also invested to uh, further integrate these environments together. So we've enabled a feature called hybrid linked mode, which actually allows you to link vCenters that are running in the private cloud with vCenters that are running in the public cloud and give you a single pane of glass. So you can see, if you imagine, if any of you are vCenter users, uh, you can imagine the left-hand nav panel. You'll see all your hosts, your clusters, your VMs, and your own data centers. Go down a little bit further, you'll see your hosts, your clusters, your VMs running in the AWS cloud. Uh, you imagine you go down a little bit further, you can see your hosts, your clusters, and your VMs running in VMware Cloud on AWS Outposts, and everything works exactly the same. You can vMotion the VMs, you can leverage the same DRS policies, you can set the same NSX micro segments, you can uh, set the same storage policies through vSAN. It's all identical because it's all the same consistent VMware software running across uh, those environments. So we think this is a really critical part of any hybrid cloud architecture to have that level of consistency. Now, from a governance and compliance perspective, again, uh, you don't want to have 10 different ways to provide governance and compliance. I mean, you could do that, but it'd be pretty complex and pretty expensive. Ideally, you want to have one. And so we continue to invest to bring together the best of VMware and AWS to facilitate this. Uh, one great example of this is we've actually integrated the AWS KMS, Key Management System, 
with vSAN, um, uh, with vSAN encryption. So what this gives customers is the ability to manage their own enterprise keys through AWS KMS, and then use that to control the encryption of their applications and data running in vSAN. And of course, you can also take advantage of that same KMS service for all your other keys, for all you're using with all the other AWS or third-party services. So again, it gives you a nice centralized, simplified way to help facilitate compliance and governance um, in this hybrid cloud environment. And then last piece I'll touch on here is, you know, we think it's really important that uh, we really enable this as a platform for your business. And for it to be a platform for your business, it can't sort of be this standalone sort of island that doesn't work with anything else. It needs to be integrated with everything else you'd like to take advantage of from VMware, from AWS, or from our thousands of other uh, technology partners. And so we've done a lot already uh, to enable this, and you've heard a lot, a lot about some of these things um, already that we show on the left-hand side here that we support today. Um, one thing we haven't talked about yet, which I'll highlight briefly, uh, which is we just introduced support for VMware Horizon, which is our industry-leading virtual desktop solution now running on top of VMware Cloud and AWS. We have a ton of customer interest in this uh, solution because it leverages all the same great benefits of vSphere running under the covers, all the benefits of Horizon that you can take advantage of in your own private cloud. Now you can, get you can take advantage of that running in the public cloud with the TCO improvements, with the elasticity improvements, all of the great benefits that, uh, that everyone chooses the cloud for, you can now take advantage of for your VDI environment. Um, so a bunch of things that we support today, and of course we'll continue to invest and enable new capabilities from VMware and AWS in the future. Uh, let me just highlight a couple, uh, a couple here. Uh, so on the VMware side, uh, VMware PKS, which is our Kubernetes-based uh, service, uh, we will of course be enabling on top of VMware Cloud on AWS. So now you'll be able to have a consistent Kubernetes environment for your developers, whether you're running across the uh, private cloud or public cloud. But even more important than that, for the IT teams that are managing this, you get those enterprise class capabilities of VMware applied into that Kubernetes environment for your developers. Uh, and then on the AWS side, um, a lot of customer feedback, a lot of interest in sort of how can we bring more and more of the, uh, I thought it was 80 uh, AWS services, but I found out yesterday it's now uh, 140 AWS services. How can, we, how can we bring all of those 140 AWS services um, into this environment? And so a few things that uh, we're looking at are um, support for AWS Snowball, uh, so if you imagine a mods demo with uh, that HCX hybrid cloud extension with the vMotion using the replication, uh, we're looking at instead of replication, what if you could use a snowball to move even larger amounts of data more quickly into VMware Cloud and AWS. Um, the AWS uh, identity and access management capability giving you more granular levels of control uh, between your uh, workloads running in VMware Cloud and AWS and your AWS services. And uh, actually, it was, I think, about uh, nine months ago we announced um, that we're looking at enabling uh, AWS Lambda on top of VMware-based environments. So these are just a few examples, um, but we have uh, many, many more that we're looking at across the horizon. And at the end of the day, it's all about uh, giving you a lot of choice and flexibility and giving you uh, the broadest set of tools that you can use to, um, to build new applications and services for your customers. So uh, continuing on the Stagecoach example, so the other thing Stagecoach needs is, is, of course, uh, HA is not enough. You also have to have backups. Uh, and so uh, Stagecoach is leveraging AWS S3 uh, for their backup architecture. And they're actually using one of our partners, uh, Veeam, as the backup uh, tool that allows them to back that data up from that mission-critical application into S3. Uh, so this is incredibly fast because it's running in the same AWS um, region and availability zone. And it's also, of course, incredibly cost-effective taking advantage of uh, the cloud economics of S3. 
All right, uh, so the last piece I'll uh, touch upon uh, before we get into outposts is, you know, up until now, everything Sandy and I have been talking about, you can sort of think of as the first stage of our partnership, which was, hey, let's enable all of those enterprise class capabilities of VMware on the AWS cloud. Uh, but what we announced uh, at VMworld uh, two months ago is you can think about the second stage of the partnership, uh, which is, uh, you know, it's a two-way street. And we also heard from customers that there are many of these great AWS services that they would like to be able to take advantage of on top of vSphere and VMware in their own data centers. And one of the most popular AWS services, of course, is RDS right, because it gets customers out of the muck of deploying and managing and configuring and backing up and worrying about high availability of, a, of databases. AWS takes care of that for you as part of the RDS service. And so customers said, hey, turns out I got a bunch of databases on-prem. <laughs> in fact, in many cases, I might have more databases on-prem than in the cloud, and I'd like to be able to take advantage of those same services in my own data center. And so we introduced uh, our plans to support RDS running on vSphere in on-prem environments. Customer reaction to this was uh, tremendously positive, as you might imagine. And it's a great example of what I would describe as the second phase of the partnership, which is how can we bring some of those really powerful AWS services back onto this broad vSphere footprint that's trusted across hundreds of thousands of customers for their own data centers today. Uh, by the way, the logical construct here is kind of cool too, which is you can kind of think about that vSphere footprint in your own data center, running on top of anybody's hardware, as just another availability zone. Right, so you manage your availability zones in AWS. Now I've got a vSphere availability zone that I can start to deploy AWS services on top of. So an incredibly powerful um, construct. So that's sort of the second phase. Now the interesting thing is uh, it only took us two months <laughs> to go from the second phase of the partnership uh, to the third phase of the partnership, uh, which is all about uh, AWS outposts. And for that, uh, we're, Sandy and I are gonna tag team this together and I'll hand the, uh, the ball back to her. So did you guys all see the announcement of Outposts that Andy did? Yes? And so uh, let me talk to you just for a minute about uh, why that was uh, such an important um, announcement for us. Uh, it was all customer driven. We have something called customer advisory boards. And customers kept saying, you know what, I would like to see EC2 on premises. And we kept saying, well, go to the cloud, look at the cloud. But as they kept talking to us more and more about it, we found that more and more customers are looking for that capability, that compute and storage capability on premises. Uh, we called it Outpost because we know that many people want to use it for low latency applications. They also want to use it if maybe there's not an AZ or not a region supported. They wanted to be able to use that particular on-premises um, opportunity around storage and compute to leverage the power of EC2. So as we started looking at this, one of the things we were uh, looking at is how do, we, how do we do this? What are the requirements? So this is how we started looking at the product management of this particular product. We said, you know what, it's got to be um, the same software. You got to have the same services. So if you're running, you know, if you want to run um, something from compute, you want to be able to run that on-premises as well as you do it in the cloud. We wanted to do the same infrastructure so that you didn't have any lag between a service that's supported in the cloud and a service that was supported on-premises. I know uh, in some other cases, some other hybrid clouds, you have to wait, you know, three or four versions to get to the same version that you're running on the cloud. 
Uh, DevOps was another big area that we really focused on. We heard a lot from customers that they really wanted to make sure that you wrote an application once and you could run it on-prem or you could run it in the cloud. So we wanted to make sure that the same development tools were there to support that development community. And then another huge one was management. We knew that as we were looking at this, that the same management system, the same AWS console, had to be available in both. And then finally, we wanted to make sure that essentially anything that was available in the cloud was available here in AWS Outpost. Um, this is a tall list of the requirements. In particular, you know, because uh, there's been a lot of other tests or trials for hybrid where these things have not come true, but that consistency is really important in what we're doing. So this was our, our really our goal. You guys know that we, uh, when we talked about Outpost, we said it would be available second half of 2019. So as we're going through it, we're ensuring that these are the requirements to really have that true hybrid solution. So if we look at what we're announcing today, and I've actually got to see the, the hardware, we actually have some working hardware, um, we tried to deliver on all those requirements that you guys set forth for us. So today, if you look at it, um, for the first time, we're gonna have all those core and key AWS services that will work locally. You'll be able to build that one application, that same application model that's running in your data center and in the cloud, and that infrastructure will also be fully managed regardless of where the infrastructure is located. You'll have that consistent management experience, and you'll have a choice of AWS console, or you can use the VMware Cloud console, so depending upon what flavor that is important to you. And then uh, you'll also be able to deploy as well on-premises and in the cloud. We targeted primarily low latency applications for this particular solution, but we are seeing, you know, I just did probably 10 EBCs since we made the announcements. There's some really interesting use cases that you guys are coming up with that we had not even thought about. Uh, it is the, you know, what we consider the ideal platform for those low latency and local data processing, but we do know that you guys are going to come up with some others. We wanted to give you the ability um, to keep your hybrid applications uh, in the cloud or on-premises to really create what we call that true hybrid experience. So as we're looking at this, there are kind of two variants that, that Andy talked about on stage. Um, one is kind of the uh, outpost that's a pure AWS outpost, and one will run VMware Cloud on outpost. So Mark's gonna talk a little bit about um, VMware Cloud um, on outpost. Great, all right, so I'll, I'll talk about the, uh, the two variants that um, Andy and Pat announced. Uh, the first one is called VMware Cloud on AWS Outpost. And the way to think about this is uh, we're taking everything that we built with VMware Cloud on AWS, and we're now enabling you to run that uh, in your own data center, right? So it's the fully managed, managed by VMware, software-defined data center, running on that same AWS elastic bare metal hardware. Uh, bare metal means we get all the same great performance of ESXi, all the compatibility with all of your existing workloads that run in vSphere. Um, but it's also elastic, so it gets all of the elasticity benefits of, um, of AWS. Of course, this uh, completely eliminates the customer burden of managing the life cycle of both the hardware and the software on top. AWS is uh, taking care of the complete hardware as a service. 
VMware is providing the lifecycle of our software running on top of that, just like in the public cloud. And because it's based on that same VMware vSphere, vSAN, NSX stack, you get all those same enterprise class capabilities that uh, everyone who raised their hand that's using VMware today depends on in their core data center. So HA, being able to fail, automatically restart a workload if one of those uh, servers in that uh, rack fails. Uh, DRS, to be able to automatically balance your workloads across that cluster of uh, servers to maximize your utilization of that hardware and to take down your TCO per workload. Uh, stretch clusters, like I talked about before. You know, VMware um, uh, NSX micro-segmentation, uh, vSAN storage capabilities, all of those same rich enterprise services that your workloads depend upon are, of course, available as part of this, uh, this variant. That's what gives you the consistent infrastructure and operations uh, with all, everything else you've got from VMware running in your data center. And of course, it's also 100% consistent with VMware Cloud and AWS. Um, all the things we talked about before around HCX, vMotion, workload portability, all the things you depend upon to uh, reduce planned and unplanned downtime all work exactly the same uh, in this environment. And then, of course, because it's running on top of the, uh, the AWS Outpost infrastructure, we get, we're uh, going to give you that cloud-like consumption model. So we're really excited about this, uh, this solution. Um, you know, we both had a chance to talk to a ton of customers over the last couple days, and uh, the excitement level around this couldn't be higher. Um, if you're a customer that has standardized on vSphere in your data center, we think this is a no-brainer uh, thing for you to take a look at, and um, I think it delivers a lot of value. So that was the first variant. Um, now, the second variant of solution that we've created together um, is around uh, when you want to run workloads in EC2 natively as part of AWS Outposts. And uh, for this solution, uh, we've created something called a VMware Cloud Foundation for EC2. And the core idea here is that as you want to start to run some of those applications, you might have an application you built in AWS and EC2 in the public cloud. Now you want to bring that on-prem, or you want to bring some component of that on-prem into your data center. Um, you then need to provide a way for that to um, have the same enterprise class capabilities that you need and the rest that you depend upon in the rest of your data center, and have a way for it to integrate with everything else you're already using um, in your data center. So uh, a few key areas I'll highlight here. Uh, the first and probably the most important is uh, networking and security. And so we have integrated VMware's leading NSX technology with EC2 as part of this uh, solution. What that gives you is the ability to connect that AWS network, which obviously looks a little bit different uh, than the rest of your data center network, into the rest of the data center network in a very seamless way. Uh, it also provides the ability to have consistent micro-segmentation. Um, so Sandy talked about before distributed firewall micro-segmentation. You know, 80% of the Fortune 500 are using NSX to provide those capabilities for their workloads in their data center. They can now take advantage of that same capability for consistent security and segmentation uh, in this EC2 environment. Uh, so we think this is a really important uh, part of the solution uh, because if you think about it, this won't exist in an island. It needs to work and integrate with everything else you've got across your public cloud and your private cloud. And the network is obviously where that all comes together. The second area is data protection. Uh, so again, in your data center, you've got backup tools you're using. I'm sure you'd like to be able to integrate those backup tools uh, with the storage that's running in EBS as part of AWS Outpost. As it turns out, VMware has created um, an API framework that allows uh, third-party storage to integrate with data protection tools. And so we're integrating uh, the AWS out that we're providing the capability to integrate AWS Outpost storage into those third-party data protection tools through those APIs. 
And then the bottom here, you see unified hybrid management. So all the capabilities around vRealize automation, vRealize operations, our new cloud health capability that allows you to optimize uh, your spend on native cloud instances, all of those will be supported on top of this. And then finally, just like in the case of VMware Cloud and AWS, where you want to have seamless access and ability to take advantage of services on the, uh, within VMware workloads and EC2 workloads, all of that will also be facilitated through, um, you can think about this VMware Cloud Foundation wrapper, enterprise wrapper around these workloads that you would like to run in, uh, in native AWS environments. So we're really excited about you know, both variants. We think uh, it makes a ton of sense for customers. It gives customers a lot of choice and flexibility. And regardless of whether you want to run your workloads in a vSphere environment or you want to run your workloads in this EC2 environment, we give you the richest set of enterprise class capabilities across this hybrid cloud architecture to make that possible. So with that, uh, let me turn it over to Sandy to uh, wrap it up here. Okay, thank you, Mark. Um, so as you can see, you know, AWS and VMware are working very closely together. Um, we have a lot of information for you today. We talked about VMware Cloud on AWS. We talked about RDS on VMware. And then we talked about AWS Outposts, both the EC2 variant of that as well as VMware. If you're looking for more information, um, we'll also post these slides. You've got several links here that you can use or leverage. You can look at the roadmap and um, make sure you uh, also reach out to your rep or your business partner if you want more information to start planning for some of the outposts as well. And as always, we're, we're really thrilled to hear from you. We'd love to hear about how we could do better on presenting and teaching and helping you learn about these things as well. So make sure before you leave, if you can, please complete that mobile app um, survey as well because we always learn from that as we go. And we're, uh, we're really thrilled. We love working with you as customers. We love seeing your new use cases. And if there's any way Mark or I um, could help you, please let us know. Thank you very much. Thank you.